to Cinema Wellman. I am your host, David, and today Cinema Wellman takes on the American Film Institute. I've always questioned shadowy organizations and governing bodies and the like. They all seem like cabals to me in some way. FIFA, the NCAA, the Academy, and the AFI all fit into this category. Anything they do comes under great scrutiny right here, and I rarely agree with any of them. And today, I'm not agreeing with the AFI because they put together what they consider to be the top 100 films of all time. I beg to differ. Keep in mind that I believe it to be impossible to create a list of the top 100 American films and rank them. I would never even begin to entertain the thought of compiling my top 100 films. It couldn't be done. I love so many movies for so many different reasons. How could I compare and attempt to rank Godzilla versus Bullet versus The Big Lebowski? It's impossible. I love thinking that I could pull it off someday, but I doubt that will ever happen. It just can't be done. You cannot make a ranked list of the 100 all-time best American movies. But if you do do it, if you do do it, you're not just thinking about it. If you do do it, be prepared for Cinema Wellman to disagree with a lot of your decisions, and that's what this episode is all about. The American Film Institute compiled a list of, and they titled it AFI's 100 Years, 100 Movies. They did it twice. The most recent time they made this attempt was in 2007, and that's the list that I'll be taking issue with today since they haven't updated it since. Come on, AFI. What else have you to do all day? It's been 16 years. Get on it. Since I do consider the task impossible, I'll cut them some slack overall. I won't quibble with much, but I do have some changes I'd make to their list as it exists. I've divided my comments into three different lists. One, okay with it being on the list, but it's way too high. Two, it's on the list, but it should be higher. And three, get off the damn list. There's also something else I want to take care of first. There are three non-American UK films that shouldn't appear on an AFI list. Our films aren't on the BFI list, so theirs shouldn't be on ours, even if they're terrific. Lawrence of Arabia is number seven on this list, but it's a British movie with a British director, David Lean, that was produced through a British company, Horizon Pictures. Fantastic film. Fantastic British film. The Bridge on the River Kwai was a co-production with British director Lean on hand. Again, I'm not buying the inclusion of a co-production on this list. A Clockwork Orange was another co-production between the Americans and the Brits. This one directed by an American, Stanley Kubrick, but filmed entirely in England. I'm not sure what the actual rules were for all of this. But I do think it's odd for an American film institute to include British films in their list of 100 years, 100 movies. If English-speaking, non-American films were counted, then they missed an awful lot that were top 100 worthy. With those UK films out of the way, and they're all excellent, and <clears throat> if there's some rule that I didn't read and, and we want co-productions in there, I'll accept that because they're all good. Anyway, let's begin with the group of films that I have no issue with being included in the top 100, but they are way too high on this list, in my opinion. Starting with, from 1952, Singing in the Rain. It's number five 
in the top 100, Singing in the Rain. There are only three other musicals on the list with two additional kind of musical adjacent movies. Singing in the Rain is a fine film, but it shouldn't be behind all three of the other musicals on the list. West Side Story is number 51, Cabaret is number 63, and Swing Time is number 90. Singing in the Rain, it should be after those three. I do like this movie, but there's no way that it should be in the top five or the top 10 or top 25 for that matter. It deserves to be on the list, but not this high. Next up in this category, at number 17 is the 1967 film, The Graduate. Have you watched this recently? It has not aged well. Some movies stand the test of time while others seem dated and lose some or all of their luster with age. The Mrs. Robinson plotline seems awfully sketchy now, and our protagonist's behavior at the end is unstable and jealous and possessive, and it's just not a good look. I once had an ex-girlfriend who said she was going to show up at my wedding and pull a Benjamin Braddock. Thankfully, she did not. I get that the story is of the 60s and how crazy they and free they were and blah, 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 blah. Get out of the top 20. I'd be happy with the graduate staying on the list somewhere in the low 80s. Next, it's at number 23 on the top 100 lists. And it's from 1940. It's The Grapes of Wrath. Great book. Important book. Classic literature. Decent movie with decent performances, but it just doesn't stand up against other stellar films from the time period. And it's also really, it's a downer. And I get it. It's a depressing subject matter about a depressing time. Um, But drop it down to the 70s somewhere. I don't want to be covered with so much dust at number 23. Next, in the, it's on the list, it's okay on the list, but it's too high, from 1982, E.T., <laughs> the extraterrestrial. Before all you E.T. fans go ballistic, I don't want it off the list. I just can't imagine how this simple, silly, and sometimes boring movie makes it into the top 25. There's not much to it. Watch it again. And you'll see what I mean. It's cute at times, but cute doesn't get you into the top 25. Next, at number 37 from 1946 is a film titled The Best Years of Our Lives. Now, the only reason this film won Best Picture that year and six other Oscars, and the only reason it garners number 37 on this prestigious list is because The Best Years of Our Lives was, like many other war movies of the 40s, let's face facts, a pro-America propaganda movie. Yay, America. Rah, rah, us. And a lot of war movies are excellent, but a lot of them have that in the background. Uh, This is a really good film. Uh, It includes some actual veterans. Uh, So stay on the list, uh, but drop down, maybe to the 90s. All right? So the next grouping features films that appear on the list, but they should be higher up, in our opinion here at Cinema Wellman. Starting with number 96, Do the Right Thing. Now, I I just talked about that in our uh, City Spotlight New York. Film has always been a reflection of society, good and bad, and issues surrounding race have been visited in movies since the medium began. I was surprised to see that there were only three films in this top 100 list that dealt with race as one of the major themes. There should definitely be more, and Do the Right Thing deserved to be in the top 50. It's honest, it's unflinching, it's sometimes difficult to watch, and there should be more thought-provoking films like that on this list. Next, it's only 93, I Want It Higher, from 1971, and it was also part of that same episode about New York films, The French Connection. 
how can a film that is considered to be one of the greatest police stories ever filmed only reach number 93 on this list? This this has everything a gritty crime drama from the 70s should have. It's got an ethically challenged cop, uh, a dirty New York City, an iconic car chase, and lots of heroin. It still stands out as an exciting action film 52 years after its release. Is that possible? I mean, this is not, that's not an easy task, especially looking at some of the other films uh, on this list that have withered over time. Here's one that belongs way up there. It's only at number 87 from 1957, 12 Angry Men. Another genre that's virtually ignored by the AFI on this list is the courtroom drama. There are really only two on this list. To Kill a Mockingbird is number 25. And in my opinion, they should swap positions. 12 Angry Men is a phenomenal film with an all-star cast. Henry Fonda, Lee J. Cobb, Jack Warden, Martin Balsam, E.G. Marshall, and Jack Klugman, and more, because they're 12. Uh, that is, it's much more than a courtroom movie. And it's also one of those claustrophobic Movies in the sense that, uh, like Hitchcock's Rope, uh, the entire movie takes place in one room. And in this case, it's the juror's room uh, as these 12 men deliberate the fate of a young man who's charged with stabbing his abusive father. Lee J. Cobb is a standout in this cast as a bigoted loudmouth who constantly butts heads with Fonda's character. I will definitely be doing a future episode about courtroom movies, and this will be near the top of that list. Just thinking about 12 Angry Men wants me, I want to watch it again. Next, it should be higher. Number 72 only from 1994, The Shawshank Redemption. Now, another future episode will be all about prison movies, and The Shawshank Redemption is a cinch for that top three. I'm not suggesting it should be top three on this list, but it should be a hell of a lot higher than 72. That's just absurd. In another surprise to me, this is the only prison movie on the list. I guess Charlie Chaplin never made a prison movie. The AFI seems to have included every movie he was ever involved in. Overrated. I love the Shawshank Redemption, even though it stars an enemy of Cinema Wellman, Tim Robbins. Uh, it's a wonderful film that goes beyond its prison setting. I know people who will watch this to the finish whenever they run across it on TV. It doesn't matter when they stumble across it. Uh, uh, tenth minute, 30th minute, 110th, it doesn't matter. Uh, play from where you are. And we all have those movies and you all know what they are and you can all think of them right now. And that's wonderful. Next up, it should be higher. Number 64 from 1976, Network. 10 Oscar nominations, four Oscar wins, including three for acting. An eerily prescient story written by Patty Chayefsky, directed by Sidney Lumet. And the best the AFI can do is 64. That's ridiculous especially when you look at some of the films that ranked higher. Six of the films I'm about to toss out are ranked higher than Network, and that's, that's just nuts. Um, and the last film on this short list of movies that deserve a much higher ranking is from 1975, Jaws. It's only 56. Now, my love for Jaws has been well documented here at Cinema Wellman, so it's no surprise that I would want to move it up AFI's list. I'm not going to go totally bananas and demand it be in the top five or even the top ten, although it's the greatest horror movie ever made. But it deserves to be a lot higher than 56. I'd be more than satisfied with number 30 the next time they re-rack this list. I'll be waiting, AFI. 
Our final group includes films that should just get off the damn list for a variety of reasons and indiscretions. And we're going to start with, from 1999, ranked at number 89 in the top 100 best American films ever, The Sixth Sense. I figured out the big twist in this movie 20 minutes into it. I mean, this film and its director are wildly overrated. This is a cut-rate thriller at best, and it shouldn't even get a sniff at top 200 all-time American films. Next, mm, beating a dead horse here, number 83. Well, they keep doing it. They keep making me do it. Titanic is number 83. And I've gone on record many times professing my loathing of this movie and its director. It's, it was new to the list. Remember, they AFI did it in 1997, and then they did it again in 2007, so it's new. And I, I guess I should be thankful that it's not ranked higher than 83 and just move on to another horse that I keep beating. Uh, at number 76 from 1994, Forrest Gump. Good God, I hate this one as well, and everyone knows it. Another overrated Best Picture winner that everyone was supposed to fall in love with. And I think I don't fall in love that easily. There are sometimes movies that you're supposed to really love, and and you're embarrassed to, well, I didn't like that. I, I don't even care about that. And that's why I rail against things like Titanic and, and Forrest Gump. And, oh, my God, the list is endless. Number 45, get off my list. Well, it's not my list, is it? From 1953, Shane. 45. The Western was once the most popular genre in movies, so it definitely should be represented on this list. I'd go so far as to say it warrants three Westerns in the top 100. How about that? I'm being generous today. And then I looked, and there were actually six Westerns on the list, and that's way too many. And I'm getting rid of Shane because it's boring and it's sappier than a Vermont maple. This movie always angered me because it's so well-loved. Well Come back, Shane. How about get off the damn list, Shane? Next, get off the list. Number 40 from 1965, The Sound of Music. I disliked this movie the very first time I saw it. I never trusted those Von Trapps. I think they were in cahoots with the wrong people to be in cahoots with in 1930s Austria, if you know what I'm saying. I honestly don't see the appeal of this. I hate it as much as I hate Mary Poppins. Maybe I just hate Julie Andrews. Is that possible? I think I know someone who hated Julie Andrews. In any event, there's no way this movie belongs on the list, especially at number 40. Let's go on. There's another. And it's at number 34 from 1937, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. This dusty old shoe highlighting questionable labor practices and safety issues in mines is one of only two animated movies on the list, and Toy Story being the other. I kind of get that since animation hasn't always been a valued genre among the academies and the institutes and such. I'll give you Toy Story being on this list. But how is the other animated movie Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and not Beauty and the Beast? That is Criminal Alert the Hague. I want the Hague involved in this. Beauty and the Beast was the first animated film to be nominated for Best Picture for a reason, people. Out with Snow White and her pals, in with Belle and the Beast. Next, another one that I just hate and everyone loves, and it's at number 20 on this list. Maybe I'm wrong. It could be. It's a Wonderful Life. This film has the distinction of being the only thing I hate about Christmas. I think this may be the most overrated movie of all time. 
It is a melodramatic, overly sappy holiday Christmas movie, and that's it. That's all it is. It should have been a made-for-TV movie. It should have been an episode of The Twilight Zone. Either of those would have been more acceptable, and I probably would have liked it. But instead, we have what's considered the 20th best American movie of all time? I don't think so. Next, let's get rid of number 12, The Searchers from 1956. So speaking of overrated, John Wayne. One great performance, True Grit, and hundreds of other movies where he plays the exact same character. My issue with this 1956 film and countless Westerns of the time is their depiction and treatment of Native American tribes. It's disgraceful that Native American people were portrayed as bloodthirsty, savage enemies in about 90% of the Westerns in which they were included. Even worse is the fact that these characters were often played by white people. Um, I have no issue with saying that The Searchers was, at one time, considered the greatest Western ever, but things change. Minstrel shows used to be considered great entertainment, and thankfully we don't have them anymore. Let's move on. So removing Shane and the Searchers leaves this list with a proper amount of Westerns. And here's the last one that I want off the list. It's from 1939, and it's number six, Gone with the Wind. Frankly, my dear, get off the list. Your time has come and gone. Not even the best film of 1939 Gone with the Wind has long been the lazy answer to the question about the greatest American film. It's overblown, it's overrated, it's poorly acted, it's racist, and it needs to go away. Do you remember when Parasite deservedly won the Best Picture Oscar in 2020 and that idiot who was president at the time was griping about a foreign film winning Best Picture? I remember watching that clip and, and listening to this moron ranting about why an American movie didn't win. And in my head, I was thinking, oh, I hope he mentions Gone with the Wind. That would be perfect. And then he said, why don't they make pictures like Gone with the Wind anymore? That was perfect, just perfect. That in and of itself is proof that this film needs to be removed from this list. And before we go, why, why are there three Charlie Chaplin films in the top 100. That is stupid. Number 11, City Lights. Number 58, The Gold Rush. And number 78, Modern Times. I could never understand all of the Charlie Chaplin love. That annoying ass character was a one-trick pony that did the same annoying shit over and over in movie after movie. And do a Google search about him and maybe the ages of some of the lovers over the years. Little Tramp indeed. Creepy Little Tramp. Keep one of his movies if you love him so much. Pick one. They're all the same. Put it at number 100. Well, that's a wrap for Cinema Wellman versus the American Film Institute. I think I was pretty reasonable when all is said, is said and done. I can't wait until they re-rack this again because when they do, I'll be right here to get all salty about it all over again. Back in the day, VH1 did a mini docu-series attempting to determine the greatest album of all time. It was fascinating listening to famous artists and musicians talk eloquently about the albums they grew up listening to and the many albums that influenced their careers and their songwriting. Michael Stipe of R.E.M. was the last interview, and he went into detail about how impossible 
a task it is to determine the greatest album of all time. He brought up a lot of the same points that I made at the start of this episode. There are just so many different factors involved that it would be impossible to say that one album or movie was the greatest ever. At the end of the interview, and I think it was shown over the closing credits of the miniseries, Stife was taken off his microphone and he asked, so which album ended up being number one? And you could hear the producer off camera and the producer's response was, OK, Computer by Radiohead. And all Stipe could say was, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> so with all of my griping about AFI's top 100, you know, 100 years, 100 movies list, I never told you what movies ranked number one. It's Citizen Kane. So as Michael Stipe would say, yeah, <laughs> that seems about right. Join us right here in Cinema Wellman next week when Led Zeppelin goes to the movies. And in kind of a double episode, we're going to do a spoiler alert for Led Zeppelin's concert movie, The Song Remains the Same. And we hope you return for that. And until then, take care. <laughs>